Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Well, we're in a series on 1 John, so we're diving back into that today. So turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John's easy to find. If you start in the back of the Bible, the last book is Revelation. Turn in, you'll see Jude, then 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. That's where we're at. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25 will be our text today. And the title of our message is Eternal. This is actually part one of that message. Part two will be next week. So we're covering one verse in two Sundays. You're welcome. So <laughs> we'll turn to First John 2, verse 25. I'm always the last one there to give you lots of time. So verse 25, it says, And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. That is, when we think about the concept of eternal life, we often think in terms of it not ending. That is, we think in terms of the quantity of life rather than the quality of life. And yet, if you think about it, you know, um, eternal is not always a good quality. (laughs) That is, if you're in the wrong place. (laughs) If you're in the right place, then then it's great. And so one of the things that I want us to understand right off the top, that when we're talking about the concept of eternity, when we're talking about the concept of eternal, that the Bible is not only referring to duration or the quantity of that life, but it is referring to the quality of that life, that, that beautiful, good, perfect quality of life that we have in Christ and that flows from Christ. Well, ultimately, as we think about the term eternal, however, uh, we have a hard time getting a hold of that concept because, you know, our, our minds are finite, and so trying to grasp the infinite is just beyond us. We just do not have the ability to get our heads around the idea of eternalness or eternity or infiniteness. It's just out there. And so, you know, we, we come up with illustrations, mathematical ones, you know, all kinds of different ones to try to help us to get a handle on it, to try to get us to grasp it. And, you know, one that I've heard in the past goes something like this. You know, if there there was a steel ball the size of the sun, which is 865,000 miles in diameter. So if you had 
a steel ball the size of the sun, and you took a snail, and you put that snail on that steel ball, and it began to do its snail moves around the, the steel ball the size of the sun. And then you factored in the second law of thermodynamics, which says that as that snail crawled around on this steel ball the size of the sun, it would begin to slowly erode away. And so, given the time that it would take that snail to erode that steel ball the size of the sun down to a steel ball the size of a marble, that time would be equal to the first day of eternity just beginning. And so helpful? Eh, sort of. <laughs> uh, my, my point is, is we just cannot grasp the idea of eternity. It is so beyond us. Psalm 90, verse 2, take a look on the screen, says this, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The Hebrew word for everlasting there actually means vanishing point. And so, you know, if you, if you think back as far as you can think back in your mind, you, you try to think back into eternity past. You, you just think and think and think. You, you come to a point where your mind just kind of goes, <laughs> vanishing point. Or it works in the other direction as well. You try to think as far ahead as you possibly can think and you just come to this vanishing point where your brain just goes, can't, I'm done. <laughs> can't get my head around that. And so when the Bible speaks of eternal life, we are speaking about something that is a quantity that we cannot understand, but it's not just referring to the duration or the quantity. It is also referring to something that is also so amazing, and that is the quality of that life itself, the quality of life that is given to us, promised to us in Christ. Verse 25 again. And this is the promise that he made to us. Well, John here is talking about those who know Christ. To us, eternal life. That is, the Bible teaches us that man was created for eternity. We are eternal beings. And the Bible says that there are two different places 
that we will spend eternity. Hell or heaven. And we will spend our eternity in one of those two places. And the Bible tells us the choice is yours. The choice is mine. Jesus, in speaking about those things eternal, said in Mark chapter 3, verse 29. Take a look on the screen. You don't have to turn there. He says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. And so Jesus here is referring to this concept of eternal, and and here he is leaning into the fact that that concept of eternal is not always a pleasant thought. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said in verse or chapter 25, verse 46, take a look on the screen. He said, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so in this teaching, Jesus says that there are two destinations, and he, and he contrasts two different paths in eternity. One is good, eternal life. One is bad, eternal punishment. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 said this. Take a look on the screen. Speaking of unbelievers, those who deny Christ, those who mock Christ is actually the context. He says, they will suffer eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And so once again, that, that negative side of the concept of eternal eternal destruction, eternal separation from God, eternal separation from the presence of the Lord. Now, I would like to draw to your attention that we have no idea how bad an idea how bad a concept it is to be separated from the presence of the Lord. Because we've never experienced that. That is, even in this fallen world, God's presence is here. God's providence is active. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
God's grace and mercy is being poured out even in the brokenness and evil of this world. And so you can ignore God. You can hate God. And yet you still have no concept what it means to be totally separated from him. And it's a horrifying thought, friends. Horrifying. Listen, no light, no love, no kindness, no goodness, utter and complete darkness, utter and complete aloneness, smothering fear. We have no idea how horrifying the experience of being totally separated from God. Hell is total separation from God. Listen, and everything that he is. There's a big myth when it comes to hell that, you know, hell's <laughs> it's a big party, right? And so people say, hey, you know, well, if that's where my friends are going to be, man, that's where I want to be. You know, we'll hang out. We'll party just like we do here. You know, that's my tribe. That's my peeps, man. I'm, I'm, I want to go where they go. Heaven's boring. Ah, perfection, that sounds boring. Sin's fun, right? Or there's a more serious version of that, and people have spoken this to me before, and that is, you know, my, my family was not Christian. My, my family, I know they died without knowing Christ. I, I want to go, you know, be with them. And so I, I really can't engage with this idea that I need to accept Jesus because I don't want to be separated from my family. Well, here's the problem with that. Hell is total separation from God. And thus, there is no love there. There is no party. There are no relationships. There is no community. And let me add this as well. The devil will not be in charge. He will be the chief prisoner and the one who is punished the most because there are different degrees of punishment in hell. Listen, God is a just God. But God doesn't want anyone to go there. God created us in his image. And he created us to know him and be known by him, to love him and be loved by him. 
And part of him creating us in his image was giving us a choice. You know, he could have made us robots so that we always did the right thing, but he loved us too much. Love requires free will. Love requires a choice. It just comes with it. And so as a good God, he created us with that choice, but our choices have consequences. And we chose to rebel against him. We chose to not trust him. And so the wages of our sin is death. But even then, God didn't give up on us. Even then, God chose to love us. Even then, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't kick us to the curb and say, you know, those rebellious, you know, humans, I'm just going to create something else, you know, give them a chance. He loved us. Loved us in our sin, loved us in our wickedness. Still does, right? And he sent his son to die for us. He, 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 he made a cosmic, unbelievable action. He, he clothed himself in humanity and allowed sinful men to crucify him on the cross to keep you from eternal damnation, to keep you from the consequence of your sin, to keep you out of hell, to keep you from being eternally separated from him. But the choice is yours. You know, you can... Put your faith in Jesus Christ and the work on the cross, or you can poo-poo it. You can just trust in your own thinking. You can trust in all the smart people in the world that have led us so well. You can put your trust in, in, in your intellect, in man, in some kind of human evolution and salvation. Big one on the table right now, right? Transhumanism. That's the gospel of a godless culture. Hey, we have eternal life. We're going to, you're, you're, you're just chemicals. You're, you're just digits. We're going to download your consciousness on some hard drive and, you know, you'll, you'll have tech bodies and you'll, you'll live forever. We'll just download you into into new sleeves, you know. Unfortunately, you're more than chemicals or digits. Your body, soul, and spirit, you're eternal. You're an eternal being made in the image of God. Man, in his wisdom, is a fool. Oftentimes, when the Bible refers to life, it is 
referring to spiritual life, and oftentimes when the Bible refers to death, it is also referring to spiritual death. For example, Paul in Ephesians 2.1, take a look on the screen, says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, verse 2 goes on to say, in which you formerly walked. That is, the Bible says that though we're alive, we're dead in our sin. That is, we are spiritually dead. The the sin that we have committed has created a break between us and God. God is life, and we've been cut off. And all we have is the works of our flesh. And so thus the Bible says we need to be born again. Born not this time into physical life, but born again into spiritual life because we are spiritually dead. And we're born again into spiritual life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ because He is the life. And when we put our faith in Him, He comes to reside in us and He imparts that spiritual life into us. He brings us back into relationship with God. He restores that which was broken in the garden. It's interesting. Prior to Christ, you know, we we really can't understand spiritual life until we are born again. We, We don't have the capacity that is, listen, and I've done this a lot with people, and you may have experienced this in your own Christian life. We, we can talk about it. We can describe it. You know, I know a lot of people there. I have some commentaries that are phenomenal that are written by people who don't believe in God. They are not, they have no spiritual life. You, you can have information. You can describe God. You can have great theology. You can go to church. You can look good to everybody in this room and you can be dead, 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 dead. First Corinthians 2.14, Paul said this, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. Does that sound like any conversations you have at work? He is not able to understand them because they are, what, intellectually not understood? Because they are spiritually discerned. We need to pray people into the kingdom more than we need to argue people into the kingdom, friends. We are leaning on the wrong things. We need to lean on the power of the Spirit, not the power of our Bible degrees or, I don't know, all the goofy stuff we seem to take confidence in. I have no confidence. The older I get... (laughs) 
the more I don't know. <laughs> the more I'm on my knees, and I'm, that's a good thing. I'm not. It's kind of like a blind man. A blind man has no ability to enjoy, to see, to experience the beauty of a sunset. You can describe it to him. You can give him the physics of it. You can try to give him a metaphor to have some kind of comparison in his world. But he'll never get it. He'll never experience it fully because he lacks the capacity. He lacks the ability. He lacks the component necessary to enjoy the full beauty of that sunset. In the same way, friends, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit because they lack the capacity. They lack the ability. They lack the Holy Spirit and the life that he gives. And so here's an amazing thing. When we speak about eternal life, the eternal life that we are promised in Christ, if you know Christ and you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, listen, you are already partaking of that life right now. And one of the ways that we see that, for example, is if you just think back on your own journey and you think back to the time where in your life that the things of the Spirit were a mystery to you. I mean, you heard about it, but you didn't get it. Or when you read the Word of God and, you know, I mean, you, you heard it, but God, the Bible didn't speak to you. Is it, it, It's like, eh, whatever. But then, then you were born again, and then you were filled with the Spirit, and it was like someone turned the lights on. And now you see. And now you hear God speak to you clearly in his word. You, you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to the innermost part of your being. Turn to 1 John chapter 5.
verse 11 and 12 says this. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And here's the key, verse 12. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And so God has granted us the gift of eternal life. And that life is in his son. And so he who has the son has the life, and he who does not have the son of God, what? Doesn't have the life. It's not complicated. Oftentimes, when it comes to the idea of physical death, people mistakenly believe that physical death means the cessation of existence. And so you hear people say all the time, man, you know, I just, I just wish it was all over. I just... Uh, I just wish I could die so it'd be done. Well, the problem with that is death is not the cessation of existence. Death does not mean you're done. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 27 says, take a look on the screen, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that, what? Comes judgment. That is, after death comes the judgment, and the judgment determines which path of destiny you will be on, one to hell, one to heaven. And so many people foolishly think, you know, I, I, I just want to end my troubles. I, I, I just want to be done. I, I just want to get rid of the pain. I... And yet death is not the end, friends. Death is not the cessation of existence. Turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 41. Jesus again here is speaking in terms of eternity. He says this in verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the what? 
eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so Jesus teaches us something very important here, and that is, is that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That is, hell was not prepared for man. Heaven was prepared for man. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, or basically his followers. And so if we choose to ignore God, if we choose to reject Jesus Christ as our Lord and be our own boss and do our own thing, just like Satan, and we choose to follow in his steps, we will follow him in his destiny. And Jesus describes that destiny again in verse 46. Skip down there. And these, those who choose to follow in Satan's steps, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So again, eternal death is not the cessation of existence. You were created for eternity. You are an eternal being. Turn to Revelation 14. Verses 9 through 11, 14, verse 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast, that's Satan, and its image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up, what? Forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. And so once again, that negative side of eternal, eternal torment, death is not the cessation of existence. Turn to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. 
verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night. What? Forever and ever. And then skip down to verse 15. It's the last verse, or yeah, last verse in the chapter. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. And how do you get your name written in the book of life? If anyone has the Son, he has life. If anyone does not have the Son of God, he does not have life. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, which is hell forever and ever. And so listen, people will mock that, right? People will push back on that. People, they don't like to talk about hell. They'll make fun of hell. They'll make fun of this eternal damnation sermon that I am presenting before you today. Even so-called Christians will say, well, you know what? I just cannot believe in a God who would eternally punish someone forever. Or they'll just flat out say, I, I don't believe in hell. Or I believe there's a hell for a short time and then it disappears. Love wins in the end. Rob Bell, who's a false teacher, wrote a book like that about a decade back. Well, here's the problem with that thinking. We just unpacked it. The problem with that thinking is that Jesus believes in hell. And that Jesus actually taught more about the fires of hell than he did about the joys of heaven. Did you know that? The Bible clearly teaches the reality that we are eternal beings and there is an eternal hell. It is a literal place. And so anyone, anyone, including myself, who would seek to add or modify or delete God's Word in any way. God has something to say to that person as well. So as you think about those mockers, as you think about those who would treat God's Word so uncarefully. Take a look with me at Revelation 22. Verse 18 and 19. Here is the warning from Jesus Christ himself. 
I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. And so we were created for eternity. And we will spend our lives, our eternity, in one of two places, hell or heaven. And we have the opportunity now to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to put our hope in him, to begin experiencing that eternal life right now. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar, friends. Jesus not only promises the quantity of life, but the quality of life. He is life. He is good. He is kindness. He is love. He is light. It is a quality beyond what any eye has seen or ear has heard. All that God has prepared for those who love him. We can put our faith in Jesus or we can put our faith in ourselves, in our own intellect, in in the intellect of this world. And that path will lead to eternal destruction. Death is not the cessation of existence, friends. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.